Hi, I'm Pat Kelly. And I'm Peter Oldring, and we're the hosts of This Is That. Are you kidding? For over a decade, we were radio's go-to source for completely fabricated news. You must be joking me. And now, we're back in podcast form. We've selected some of our favorite stories from over the years and put them in one convenient location. Sugar in the tap water. Bilingual dog park. Charging to see wildlife. This Is That, coming soon on CBC Listen and everywhere you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Hey, I'm Tom Power. Welcome to Q. So there's this new film called Sometimes I Think About Dying. It's about, um, and you might uh, recognize this kind of person, you might be this kind of person. A woman named Fran is a little isolated. She's a little socially anxious. And you guessed it, she can't stop daydreaming, I guess if you can call it that, about her own death. Not like suicidal ideation or anything, but just her mind constantly goes to the various ways she could die. And we talk a little bit about the meaning behind that. Everything changes for Fran when she meets a new colleague who tries to help her out. And really, it's the story about the interior life of a person struggling. It's a story about yearning for a connection, wanting to be known on a deeper level. It's about the interior lives of the people around you who might seem quiet and timid, it might make you realize that they're full people, too. Daisy Ridley stars in the film. You might know her as Rey from the Star Wars movies, her first ever big role, by the way. And we talk a little bit about that. But yeah, Daisy Ridley joined me from New York. Here's our conversation. Hi, Daisy. How are you? That was such a beautiful introduction. Thank you. And I feel like a very, very clear and wonderful p- picture of the movie. That's kind of you. Really lovely. Well, yeah, I, I did. You. I did feel that way, you know. I mm. when I when I was watching it, I I, I did begin to wonder, like, geez, because I I can be kind of loud in the office, I think, or a bit, mm. you know, a bit talky, and mm-hmm. and I wonder, geez, like, who haven't I noticed who has an interior life that I haven't considered, you know? Mm. I think it's quite a beautiful takeaway from the film too, because it's so subject subjective. The response has been different from different people but my feeling always was it's a story of hope of connection and hopefully people would come out of the film and go okay as you've said who maybe I haven't um given enough space to perhaps they need a bit more space to be themselves or to sort of come out of their shells or um you know different ways of people coping with different things um and how can we all connect a little better so when did you read the script like what what was happening when you read the script what did you think of it well, <clears throat> I was reading the script in the the days of lockdown, uh-huh. so the isolation felt very familiar, um, but I really, I mean, I really wanted to play Fran, but I felt like the whole was greater than the sum of the parts. I really wanted the whole film. I thought the office world was so beautiful and the connections were so beautiful, and then I really wanted to work with the filmmaker. Rachel, so we got on a Zoom. And these things usually are quite difficult to actually get made, but this was one of those amazing times where we all said yes, and then we were making it within a year, I think. Can you connect the dots for me on that one a little bit? Like, you're reading... So so the the film is um, about what it's about, and you're reading it during mm-hmm. the pandemic, and it, it sounds to me like you had some, something of a bit of an emotional re- response mm-hmm. uh, while reading it. Connect the dots. Like, why do you think that was? I mean, it probably was something about us all being isolated. Um, 
But I also felt, even aside from that, I knew the character of Fran. I am not her, and she's quite far from me. But there's something familiar about her. I feel like I know a lot of people who could be her or have pieces of her. So I felt like I connected with who she was and her difficulties in connecting and the way she moves through the world. Um, but I also felt like the story was kind and unjudgmental mm. because Fran is really doing her own thing, but she is given space to do it and she is received with a lot of kindness. So I think it was all that the interactions felt kind, like it felt like a nice world, even though she was having a, she has a difficult time occasionally. I don't know, it just felt like something I wanted to be part of. Do you need it today? Oh, no, no. It's fine if you can't. It'd be a lot cooler if you did. Dazed and confused. A movie? I can't believe you haven't seen that. Have you been to the Columbia yet? I'm actually going to see something there tonight. Oh. Do you want to come? Bobby boy. Sorry, I'm late. I'm ready when you are. Okay, great. Be there in a sec. Yes. Uh-huh. Sorry, a movie tonight. Oh, okay, great. Uh, movie at seven? That all right? Seven. You said you couldn't relate to her. I mean, I could relate to her. It's just I'm not... I'm not so in my own head as she is. Uh-huh. So I can relate to bits of her, but... Um, I don't live alone and all those sorts of things. So in that respect, she is probably a lot more solitary than I am. But I understood her difficulties and the sort of bravery it takes to overcoming a, a social interaction that might make you feel uncomfortable. Yeah, it made me think about um, about observing. Because I have this very public, chatty job. And mm-hmm. I guess suppose as do you. You know, you have an actory, mm-hmm. performery job. Mm-hmm. And um, but those qualities are not necessarily lined up with actual gregariousness. And I find that people no. who have jobs like these, like Fran, sort of observe quietly the world around them a little bit. Yeah. And I think it can take, certainly for me, it takes a lot of energy to be the like outward facing chatty thing. So at the time, it's not like I don't enjoy it, but it is... I think naturally I'm actually more of an introvert. So then I get home and I'm just spent from yeah. that thing. Yeah, me too. I wonder why we do. Mm. Why do we do these things? Is my question. <laughs> I know. Um, so so let's let's talk a little bit about a- uh, acting here. Um, mm. The the film is so quiet. Um, mm. uh, uh, even though you do hear people talk, it's sort of like the the best version of like innocuous office chat for most of the film. And your character Fran. Mm-hmm. We actually don't hear her speak until 35 minutes into the film. Mm. And for that whole time, everyone else in the office is talking. Mm-hmm. I don't know too much about acting. How, how do you approach a, a character like this? You know, someone who has a, a rich interior life, but on the outside is, is, is quite closed off. I feel like I approach it probably in the same way I would anything. Because each character expresses himself differently. And actually, I don't think I've ever, ever had a very dialogue-heavy film. This one is is by far the quietest but um the film as scripted had a lot of voiceover so i had said to rachel who directed it um how would you feel if i basically treated that like stage directions so i basically learned the voiceover which is the whole way through the film and had that running through my head like a monologue which was very helpful this is really interesting so if if i understand what you're telling me correctly here uh, for for people mm. who haven't seen the film like i mentioned like fran uh, for 35 minutes you don't hear her talk at all though she's in the film i mean she's she's in pretty mm-hmm. much every single scene she's home 
putting cottage cheese on cake. She's in the yeah. office, you know, uh, uh, yeah. typing. She's going to work in the morning. That whole thing was supposed to have voiceover of her interior thoughts. And you said, yeah. wouldn't this be more interesting if I just used that voiceover as like my motivation or her, her, or her own thoughts? And it was just small things like in the boardroom. Um, and there's a, a clip of this online. Um, my introduction is, I'm Fran and I like cottage cheese. And the voiceover before this, there's all this other stuff going on. And it was scripted as, please don't ask me, please don't ask me. Oh, my God, why are you doing... Like, so there was all this stuff going on that I could, you know, think about. Um, so that added a lot of richness to my interior world. You slip into the accent, the American accent, pretty quickly there. I do know. I'm starting a film in two weeks that I'm in an American accent, but the last two films I've done are English. And I was like, I'm going to be great. It's going to be so easy. My first session was so hard. Generally, it's sort of fine, but there are a few things that trip me up. Am I wrong in thinking that you sound like you have an Irish little? I'm from Newfoundland, which is on the east coast of I Canada. I see. Mm-hmm. And is a, you know, was, we only joined Canada in 1949, mm-hmm. settled largely by Irish people. Um, yep. So we have, we actually have the, I think we have the most dialects per capita on our, on our little island. So we have a little, yeah, I have, a, I have sort of a, a weird, I have a weird accent for, you know, for most people. <laughs> no, I was actually thinking, I've seen Come From Away. Oh, yeah. And I remember I was talking to my friend who went and he goes, God, the accent's like, it's so strange. I was like, no, that's Newfoundland because my half sister lives in Toronto. So um, I guess I'd heard about the Newfoundland thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, you don't sound obviously as Newfoundland as they did on stage. But it's it's a nice lilt. It's sort of like Irishy, Americany, Canadiany. Yeah, I've been in Toronto for a while. So I mm. think when I was uh, before I left, or when I go home, or when I have a couple of pints, Daisy, uh, it maybe mm. maybe it comes out a little bit more. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I, I sort of uh, am nervous about asking British actors this question, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna, mm-hmm. and, and I can explain why if you want to know in a second. But in the in the film, Fran has these daydreams about her death. We mm-hmm. see her hanging from a crane uh, in a forest covered in bugs, washed mm-hmm. up on a shore. Mm-hmm. I know this is acting, but I can imagine mm-hmm. that playing dead might be a trip for some people. What, 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 what is it like for you? I mean, I've played dead a couple times. Um, and it's strange. I think in this one, it didn't feel as strange because I knew it was a sort of heightened, um, almost dreamlike thing. So I think in that way, it wasn't too strange. The strange thing was the bugs, because in one of these scenarios, I'm lying on the forest floor. And I did actually have bugs in my hand. And the main thing with that was I was trying not to gag because it was so disgusting to feel these little things in my hands. So that was just a physical endeavor about not gagging while I was pretending to be dead. Can you guess why I don't like asking British actors that question? No, why? This is a, I really dislike when people generalize Newfoundlanders, so I'll be cautious here. I do find mm-hmm. that like whenever I whenever I ask British actors about like what was it like, you know, what was the interior world you had when you played this, you know, character, oftentimes mm-hmm. they their, their answer will be a version of like, well, I'm just acting. <laughs> you know, I'm an oh, actor. Hilarious. I'm actor. I'm an actor, so I just act. 
Whereas if I ask uh, maybe some other actors, they'll, they'll be like, oh, well, I thought a lot about my childhood and my, you know, my pet, oh, my my pet, gosh, that's my pet, my pet dog who passed away, you know, and I, I recounted that grief for my role as, you know, an ice cream man. That is amazing. Do you know what I mean? Um, I do know what you mean. And in a way, I'm like, yeah, I was doing the acting. Um, <laughs> but also I did have other thoughts. So there we are. <laughs> How did you get into acting? Because I, I, the story I heard about you, mm. Mm. can I say m- mischievous kid? You were a mischievous kid? Yes. And, yeah. and your mom gets you into acting to, to get you out of trouble. So it was actually, she got me, um, we used to do these because we played violin as kids. And we used to go to these things on uh, the summer holidays, obviously keeping three, three children entertained. There was like a thing in the Lake District, beautiful part of... Uh, England that had like a summer course a violin one well you could play all sorts of things but we would play violin and I had a friend there who had gone to boarding school I was like oh my god boarding school sounds amazing so it was one of those things that I was mischievous mischievous I was about to say mischievous mischievous. is it mischievous mischievous sounds better yeah mischievous I think mischievous sounds better Mischievous. Uh, uh, Up to no good. How about that? You were up to no good. Up to no good. So it was sort of one of those things of, I was like, boarding school sounds great. And then my mum had found some boarding schools and one of them was a performing arts school. So it was all a bit accidental. But her thing was, well, if I was busy, then I wouldn't be as up to no good. And that's where it all began. Did it work? Oh, yeah. I mean, the days were so long. Like we were up at 6.30, school was 8 till 6.30. Then we had to do homework. I was always very busy. Um, and then had, I mean, a few amazing teachers, but really in my latter years there, in my late teens, there was an amazing drama teacher called Gerard, who was just incredibly um, inspirational. And that was really when I thought seriously about trying to do it. What, what was the inspirational thing he said to you? It was to the whole class. He was basically talking about the fact that people should not feel that they're held back for anything. There was a girl in the class who had a specific uh, regional dialect, And she was like, well, you never hear people doing Shakespeare with that dialect. And he was so angry that she had been made to feel like she couldn't do this thing. He basically went on this rant sounds wrong because it sounds like it was negative. It was like this amazing monologue, I suppose, that no one should ever feel held back for any reason. It was just so inspirational. And then he he coached me for a a speech I did, Lady Macbeth. And... um, Mm. Felt, I felt very pushed, but very supported. Just, you know, we all have those teachers who you're like, wow. Like, they were standout, amazing for making me feel like it wouldn't be easy, but it would be possible. And is that it? Is that like, oh, now I'm going to do acting professionally because of that? Um, no, I think I thought, oh, this would be great. And then <laughs> left school and went traveling and tried uni. But then I was auditioning for stuff. And then it all sort of uh, rolled. But like I got fired from my first job. I don't think I was very good. So there were lots Hold of Hold on, fired from your first acting job? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, it was this workshop for two weeks. After the first week, I got a call and they said, yeah, they don't want you to go back. Why not? Because um, I think I was terrible. <laughs> like, <laughs> you, know what? Just, you know what? Good reason. <laughs> yeah, I was. they were like, not you, not you. <laughs> so I felt like I had some, you know, some uh, lessons of humility along the way. Um, and then it's just a constant thing of learning and trying each time to get better. Pretty wild what happens after that, though. 
Daisy, I don't have to tell you. You know, the, the, the Star Wars thing is pretty, pretty wild. I mean, uh, I should... Yeah, For, yeah, for, yeah, for yeah. people who don't know, Daisy has this breakout role as Rey in, in, in Star Wars The Force Awakens, which mm-hmm. is, I mean, the audition process for the, those movies, I mean, it was... Mm. You want to talk about rigorous. And then... Yeah. And then... Because um, a lot of people auditioned, right? Yeah, someone once told me the number I can't even say because it makes me feel sick. It was a lot of people. And there were um, group auditions, which I was actually going to go to, but I I was like, I hear they're auditioning for souls. Please, can I get an audition? I didn't even know what they were auditioning for. Like, I didn't even know if I was right for it. Yeah. And then, yeah, the audition process was, uh, the first time I auditioned was in, like, the summer, and I didn't hear back for ages. And then suddenly I got a call back when I was on another show playing a corpse. There you go. Oh, my gosh, uh-huh. there we go. I was playing a corpse. And then I really was playing a legitimate corpse. So I went to the audition and my body was covered in these, like, fake bruises. It was so strange. And then I didn't hear anything again for ages. So the whole process took seven months. But I actually only auditioned, like, four or five times. And then the last audition, I think I heard the next day or the day after. Uh, Yeah, it was a really long, really long, stressful time. Can I ask, where where were you when you heard that you got it? I was at my friend's play. um, Play? And it was the interval... Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I had a missed call from an American number and I didn't know how to call America. So I was like frantically trying to find out. And obviously now it's plus one. I didn't know that. So I was like Googling how to call America. <laughs> and then I had this conversation in the interval. JJ was like, yeah, you're going to do it. Then my phone died. Then I had to go to the second half of the show. I was sat there thinking, oh, my God, I couldn't say anything. And my phone was, you know, not working. So I was walking down the road, I was on the tube, I was thinking, what the hell is going on? So from the time I heard to when I got home and told my mum and dad and sister, it was like two and a half hours. And I'd been with my other friend at the show, and then after the show, we saw the friend that was in the... Oh my gosh, it was so stressful. You were just internalising that the whole time. Yeah. Also, your friends play, who just got off stage, who did a great job, I'm sure, in the play. You can't walk up to them and say, hey, great job, but but I'm in the new Star Wars. you got to hold that in. Yeah, I was just like, hey, well done. (laughs) Um, Really good, good job. I have to go. Yeah, it was strange. And then, of course, it was another, like, three months of not telling anyone. But I was, like, training. So I was getting ripped and stuff. I think everyone was like, what's going on? Why are you getting arm muscles? Oh dear. I'm Tom Power. You're listening to Q. More of my conversation with Daisy Ridley coming up. Hi, I'm Jesse Crookshank. Jesse Crookshank. I host the number one comedy podcast called Phone a Friend. Girl. Let's phone a friend. Not only do I break down the biggest stories in pop culture with guests like Dan Levy and members of InSync, I do it with my own personal boy band singing jingles throughout because it's my show. It's your show, girl. New episodes of Phone a Friend. Yeah. Drop Thursdays wherever you get your podcasts. So work it, girl. Yeah, work it. Okay, that's enough. I, I love this story that J.J. Abrams, the director, said to you. I think I have the quote here. Um, he said to you, understand the scale. This is not a role in a movie. This is religion for people. It changes mm. things on a level that's inconceivable. What's that like to mm. hear? I think I wasn't aware, which was good at the beginning. I was like, I knew people really liked it, but I was like, oh, that's cool. Like, I get to be in this film and that's really fun. And then the knowledge came later on, which I think was helpful. Because otherwise, I was already terrified anyway of being in a film. And I think anything else would have been 
even scarier. What what uh, what is it like when when you're in Star Wars and it comes out and it's the biggest talked about thing? Um, How was that for you? It was uh, strange, but it was sort of fine. I think people kept going, "Oh, it's going to be so crazy! It's going to be so crazy!" And then the press tour was crazy because I'd also never been to those countries. I was like, oh, my God, I get to see, like, so much of the world. Um, and then it was all a bit mad, but all a bit sort of overwhelming, can't quite uh, get, wrap your head around it anyway. And then I remember getting home and being like, oh, okay, let's have a little rest. <laughs> oh, I lie, actually. And yeah. then I said to my mum, let's go on holiday. So we went away for a few days, and that was really nice to sort of decompress. Um, yeah. It's strange talking about it because I'm like, I, I don't know. You sort of, uh, I think COVID actually gave me some time to process it all. Um, but at the time, you know, when you're in something and yeah. you're sort of like in it. And then after the fact, you're like, oh, okay, yeah, that was pretty intense. But I also feel like people are very kind and mm. people love the world mm. and are connected to each other because of this world. So there's something quite pure and like wonderful about the people that really love Star Wars. Who are you? The Resistance sent me. They sent you. I'm Ray. What's special about you? Something inside me has always been there. But now it's awake. That lightsaber was Luke's and his father's before him. And now it calls to you. Don't be afraid of who you are. Had you ever, like, starred in a movie at all before that? Oh, no. Wow. I was in one scene of the Inbetweeners movie, and I couldn't make it back um, for the reshoot. <laughs> and then um, I had done a couple of TV things. Um, David, that's what? So your, I, your, first get, your first big role is yeah. in the biggest movie in the world. Yeah, I'd never uh, been on set for longer than, like, a week or two. <laughs> uh, so the whole thing, and then I was filming for six months. So the whole thing was... Out there, yes, boy. That's yeah. That's a story, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Great though. Yeah, I got a feeling you're not going to answer my, my last question with, "Well, I was just acting." Um, okay. Um, in sometimes I think about dying. We see Fran mm. go through this journey from being mm. um, reclusive and interior to really mm-hmm. trying her hardest to form connections with the people all ar- around her. Mm-hmm. Is there something you carry with you after playing Fran? Interestingly, one of the scenes that made me really emotional in the film is the scene in the cafe. Um, can you can you talk us through Fran for people who a, haven't seen it? Yeah, so Fran has had a very difficult weekend. She um, she did something that pushed herself out of her comfort zone, and then she said something that was honestly cruel and has been regretful and having a difficult time all weekend thinking about what it is that she did. And she wakes up on the Monday and decides to do things differently. So she goes and wants to do something for the office, which is something she hasn't done before. So she goes to get donuts. And she meets her former co-worker there. And her co-worker in the story is this bubbly, vivacious, gregarious, wonderful presence in the office. She's kind and chatty and laughs a lot. And then Fran has a conversation with her. She hasn't seen her since she retired. And um, Carol, her co-worker, has had a really difficult time and nobody knew. Um, And doing the scene, hearing Marsha do the scene where she's talking about this difficult time she's had and 
getting up every day and doing this thing because this is what has to be done to be human and to be connected. It was so hard to not cry my eyes out every time because she was so beautiful doing it. But I think that scene for me, I took away more from that, which is all of us are going through something. Mm. All of us are having a hard time. Mm. And though I play the quiet person in the office who's struggling to connect, there will also be the louder person in the office who talks a lot to cover up all the other stuff they're going through. So I felt like the lesson I took from it is we all show things in different ways and we all hide things in different ways. Um, and everyone's fighting a battle you can't see. So try to be patient and try to be kind and generous and compassionate. Um, yeah, that was really what I took from the film. Uh, Tacey, uh, uh, lovely to talk to you. Thanks for the time. Thank you so much. Daisy Ridley was my guest. You might know her as Ray from the Star Wars films, but her new film, Sometimes I Think About Dying, is in theaters now. And that's it uh, for us today. The other conversation we have up today is when the Oscar nominations came out a little while ago, up for Best Picture. You got your Oppenheimers. You got your maestros. Your Oppenheimers and your maestros. But there amongst the Oppenheimers and maestros is uh, Past Lives, which is the debut feature film by a Canadian filmmaker named Celine Song. And Celine will be here to talk about the real-life story that she noticed at a bar that led to this film and now this nomination. Go check that out. We'll see you soon. Later on. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.